Denver Punch. And in the studio today, we have Tony and Kathy and myself, Jody. And we will get a little bit of a tune in from Hank and Craig. Um, they are talking real specific this week. Hank has a little report on the new Call of Duty video game. And uh, Craig's going to report on the Morrissey Show, which happened earlier this week. Uh, Tony and, and Kathy and myself were also there. And I think uh, we pretty much concur with everything that Craig has to report. But uh, yeah, he makes some good salient points. So we'll have a review of that coming up. But first, Tony is going to drop some Star Wars news on us. Surprise, surprise. Um, I got spider news to share. Some comics came out this week. But we're going to start with Kathy because she's got some hot Lego news to drop. Um, I've heard of this program. Replay, please elaborate on what is this wonderful program, Kathy? So Lego's launching a program. It's a pilot program um, called Replay where you can repurpose your Lego. Um, you can send it back by uh, going to lego.com backslash replay, print a uh, free shipping label, a UPS label, package up your unused Lego, put it in a box, slap this label on it. It goes back to a sorting facility, um, the give back box. Sounds like a nonprofit kind of place. Um, they will sort it, clean it, and redistribute it um, for Teachers of America, I think, and it will go to classrooms. Sweet. Throughout. Yeah, so right now it's just the U.S., but uh, if it does well, maybe we'll get it here, too. This actually opens up the door for all kinds of things that I was thinking about this thing, too. Number one, I like Lego. You can bring Lego to me, and I will wash <laughs> it in my bathtub, and I will use it. Uh, the other thing is, I, I don't know uh, why. We, I bet you could probably take Lego to schools. I bet you there's probably schools in Saskatoon or Saskatchewan, wherever you're listening from, that would take Lego as well. Yeah, but it's yeah. like it, the sterilization part of it. Like, how do you get it clean? Like, yeah. they must have a really fancy machine in so, one of these yeah. factories to clean it, because otherwise it's like, well, I don't know, this could like be the Ebola oh, yes. uh, yeah. strain of Lego. But they sell all kinds of used toys in, like at the, the Value Village and places like that, the secondhand stores as well. So I guess there's still that. Yeah, but yeah. for with schools, I think they probably have to be a little more infection protection and control kind yeah. of things. Wow, I am, right? we are living in a world where you can't give Lego away to people. That's crazy. Well, lots of people still pass it down, right? Yeah, yeah. pass well, it down. And, and you yeah. can take it, but you got to know there's, there's yeah. a risk involved. Yeah. If yeah. you don't know the source, there's a then risk. there's a risk. I want, Can you put Lego in the dishwasher? Like if you put it in like some kind of like lingerie huh. bag or something and put it in the top rack. That, I don't know. We should look crazy. that up. We're going to try that. Let's, huh. melt, let's melt some Lego in the microwave and then throw it in the dishwasher. Awesome. <laughs> no, no, no. Awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> well, Legos like tried to make their uh, bricks more responsible by introducing plant-based plastics. Um, That's a good idea, but there's yeah. all this old Lego around yes. that is like the same old stuff that we've been using for Yeah. It's yeah, the beginning years. of the future with the plus, you know, the uh, the plant-based bricks, but at the same time like yeah, like Joey's saying, there's a lot of bricks out there that are on the floor where, where moms are stepping on or, <laughs> yeah. or vacuuming up. Either way, that's what happens to those Lego bricks. So Yeah. When I was um, looking up the replay program, I found another program that I didn't hear about. Uh, it was actually in the test phase in April. Um, it's called Braille Bricks. Um, it's a free program right now that they're doing where um, the bricks that are like a, a two by four type size mm -hmm. brick 
will have braille letters on the top of it and um, so each little brick would be a letter and you can piece them together and it will be also functional with all the other bricks so you could build with them too but it will be um, teaching for braille you feel the little knobbies on the top and learn your braille so it'd be a teaching aspect not just a building aspect but you'd be able to teach braille yeah oh that's brilliant it is brilliant. yeah yeah I already heartily approve of like a lot of math teachers like to use Lego to teach fractions, right? Because, you know, you take a two by four and half of that's a two by two and a quarter of that's a one by two. And it's like you can illustrate so very clearly to a kid that like the parts of the whole and it's like fun. Yeah, Yeah. we used it actually a lot when I worked in uh, schools for math, Um, not just for fractions, but also for multiplication. The dots on the bricks and stuff made it really easy for multiplication. Right. Lego was like one of those toys that I did not have as a child. Um, And I I think it was because I was action figure only back when I was young. Uh, And it wasn't until later that I actually got into building Lego, but it's enjoyable. It's relaxing. Um, it's definitely highly collectible for people that are, are buying things and and it's well sought out as uh, all over the world. People know what Lego is and they buy and build Lego. You know, they're do- using it also not in schools. We talked a lot about young people and teaching and stuff like that, but they're also using it um, in old folks' homes now also for um, Alzheimer's prevention or dementia prevention or whatever. It keeps their minds like Sudoku, but a little bit more tactile kind of thing. Brilliant. What's for those who don't understand the word Sudoku? What is that exactly? <laughs> a math puzzle. <laughs> Thank you. It's supposed to exercise your brain. <laughs> ah, never That's done right. one of those before. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Keep sharp. Okay. Well, okay. why don't we uh, hear from uh, Hank next? Since we're kind of talking about games and stuff, um, he's going to clue us in on what is hot in uh, the new uh, video game world. And apparently, he really digs Call of Duty. So. Here, let's tune in with Hankster. Well, thanks, Jody. Hello, all you punters out there in Radio Land. It's me, Hank. Sorry to everybody that I couldn't be in the studio, but honestly, I have been up since midnight playing the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That came out last night, Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Like the original Modern Warfare, released what feels like a zillion years ago, during the campaign, the emphasis is on gritty realism, only this time with vastly improved graphics to help really get players immersed into the story. I've logged about two hours so far, and honestly, that campaign, it's as sweet as finding a shiv in your prison birthday cake. Alright, but forget about the campaign, because honestly, for me, Call of Duty is all about the multiplayer. This time, there's a few new tasty treats. Now first off, there's the new 2 vs 2 gunfight mode, which pits two teams of two against one another in a lightning fast round, um, pre-generated loadouts, it's thrilling to play, it's a ton of fun, it's fast, and also a little bit frustrating when your partner sucks, but hey, you know you can't choose your neighbors or sometimes your partners in. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. There's also big team modes. Finally, uh, you're getting uh, ground wars of up to 32 versus 32, and uh, there's vehicles, very, very large teams, I guess by Call of Duty standards, pretty large. And finally, there is Special Ops, which has taken 
the zombie mode away. Zombies been with us since Call of Duty Ghosts. Zombies is gone. Special Ops is in. If you're a Zombies fan, you'll get over it. But honestly, I'm glad for the change. There will be several, several different types of Special Ops missions available. I honestly haven't played any yet because I'm trying to level up or rank up in the multiplayer. So from what I've played so far, this could be one of the best Call of Duties, the CODs, in recent years, but we'll see if I'm still digging it after I prestige, and honestly how long it's going to take me to prestige. Uh, but forget it, okay? The best news of all, wait for it, it's a pretty big deal. <sighs> for the first time ever, Call of Duty is going full cross-platform. It means that even if your friend is playing on Xbox One and you're playing on PS4, you can still play together. Mind blowing! It's a cool system allowing you to determine what kind of cross-platform experience you want. So you could play against players on all three platforms using gamepads only. You can play against just players using mouse and keyboards, or you can mix it up and try your luck against all input types. It is insane. So now there is no excuse for your friends. Well, I can't play Call of Duty. I don't have the right system. And we can now everybody can play. It is the coolest thing ever. I've been waiting for this for years because I can't convince certain people like Colin to buy an Xbox One to play play with me. Anywho, for old and new fans alike, just buy this game. It doesn't matter what system, whatever system you got, buy the game. My username is Carlos Cruz, capital C, capital C, all one word, Carlos Cruz. See you on the battlefield. Jody, back to you. Oh, thanks, Hank. Ah, sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, mm -hmm. so speaking of fun, this has been a fun week for you, Tony, because, uh, a lot of Star Wars news this week. There was. Uh, we were lucky enough to watch the actual trailer, which uh, hit, I guess, Monday Night Football. I, mm -hmm. I uh, was not watching Monday Night Football, so I watched it on my computer, but uh, it, I found it to be rather exciting. And emotional. Emotional? Yeah. I never got that, but... <laughs> People are saying there's things in there that you know gave away the uh, the ending, and and my thought was probably not. I don't think they're that uh, they're that stupid to actually give away the ending during a you know a trailer like that. But yeah. there was a lot of things without getting too specific. There was a lot of things that happened in that trailer that looked exciting and kind of brought my heart back into watching this Star Wars film. Very yeah, exciting. yeah, I think so too. It, I thought it was emotional in parts of it. The, the music was kind of um, like a New Hope type music, more orchestral and, you know. Very, it was very, yeah, it was big. The large, music's always big, very large. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. So that happened. At the same time that happened, there was also a, um, the tickets went on sale, which was exciting in odd at it in itself because when tickets go on sale, usually there's, you know, a, it shuts down the internet. The last time I remember, two years ago, I think the last movie was it was we tried to get tickets and we could not. If it sold out really quickly, yeah. This time it seemed to be almost a little bit of a a slow process of people getting tickets. We got tickets right away. Uh, when we did get tickets, it seemed like there was nobody else, you know, really trying to get tickets at that time. So I don't know if we su if surprised people that tickets went on sale or if they just I, don't care. I think we got ours early. Ours were earlier than most, you I think? think so. I heard online that the ticket sales for this Star Wars movie actually surpassed, uh, in the first night or whatever, surpassed the ticket pre-ticket sales for Endgame, yeah. which was previously the record breaker. So yeah. 
there must have been tons and tons and tons of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, we're also in a, a, a smaller center, and we're not. You know, it's a, we're just a part of a large, yeah, a yeah. large amount of people that are going to be buying <laughs> tickets. So very excited. So December nineteenth is a Thursday night, is when it opens. I know there's people that have got tickets for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so uh, Kathy, how many tickets? Uh, how many days are you going to go in a row? Mm, in a row? Yeah. Um, well, we have no tickets for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'm saying no, that could change that, that could, could change. change that could change uh we're very lucky to get tickets this year we're excited the the, the trailer looks really good if you want to uh see some stuff there might be some maybe some spoilers in the trailer so if you're like i don't know if you're going there with not knowing anything then you probably want to turn off your tv and your internet for the next like two months because it's just going to be everywhere i so. am really going to try to insulate myself yeah, i generally i have a rule i don't watch trailers period for any show because i love going in blind i don't want to be like oh i already saw this part oh well that was it turns out the best part was in the commercial so it's like if i can just stay away from it it's really tough to do it uh but i i believe i can yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. It is actually, you do find out things like I'm already, you know, on the internet and I'm, I used to be the guy that was on there trying to like, the, you know, breaking down, going to these, uh, these YouTube videos where people are breaking down each moment of the trailer to see what happens. And I think I've done it for all the other movies, but this one, I'm going to stay away from stuff like that. I'll watch the trailer and I've seen it twice now, I think. And I just kind of walked away and yeah. uh, the next time I see anything will hopefully be at the theater. So, okay. Now, there's other Star Wars news. There's a big auction coming there up. There is. So I, I, it's called Hakes, H-A-K-E-S. It's a giant auction house in the States. I think it's in New York. And every year they do a giant toy auction. This year they have a ton of Star Wars stuff that's going up for sale. I think there's 400 pieces of Star Wars. Uh, and it's the auction ends in two weeks. Um, one of the big ones on the, the, uh, the gambit is the Boba Fett rocket-firing Boba Fett from 1979. Oh yeah. So if you don't know the story about Boba Fett, he was uh, he he was uh, released before The Empire Strikes Back. He was a, a character, not even a main character. He was a small character in The Empire Strikes Back. He was a small character in the Star Wars Holiday Special. If you're wondering about that one, you can look that one up in your internet. That's a real doozy. The Star Wars <laughs> Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh dear, yes. Uh, Carrie Fisher and uh, does some singing. Uh, B. Mark, Arthur is in B. it. B. Arthur is in that. Yes, there's lots going on. Harvey Corman. It was pretty much the, uh, what was that show that there was the Carol Burnett yeah. show? People it was like a that, variety yeah, show. With yeah. Star Wars characters. Chewbacca's whole family. Chewbacca's whole family. So what happened was the uh, the Boba Fett, uh, they decided to do a, uh, a mail-in. You had to send in, I think, 12 proofs of purchases or eight proofs of purchase from the cards, from the toys, from the Star Wars movie. And you send it in, you get a rocket-firing Boba Fett. So while they were doing this, the rocket-firing Boba Fett, uh, if, uh, they were actually were going to send it out, but they had to stop. So they did some prototypes, but they were never able to send out the rocket-firing part. They had to actually send out one that was glued in. The rocket never fired because there was people that, I guess, choked on some Battlestar Galactica toys in the States. So they did this, but they did prototypes. These prototypes, there was about 200 or so prototypes that were made. 24 are known to be in existence. There's an L prototype, which uh, the actual, um, the mechanism that uh, would shoot it off is in an L shape, and there's also a J shape. 
Uh, and these things are worth a lot of money as far as like collectibles go because there's only 24. Uh, the J, the one that's on sale or that's going up for auction is uh, one of the first three that they found oh, in the wow. 90s. Yeah, so these were found in the 90s. Most of these things were actually found and kept by Kenner employees. So yeah, yeah so a Kenner employee could would probably back then just keep you know prototypes and stuff like that. And then as they get older or pass away, their family sells them. So this one actually showed up in the 90s. Uh, the average or the, the, um, the price they expect to make it, one, one, um, one company thinks that it'll be worth $250,000 up to $500,000. Yeah. So yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. I read that uh, of the 24 rocket firing Boba Fetts that are supposed to be around somewhere, um, a lot of them are not in great shape because they were prototypes and used for testing and they were frozen and stepped on and and actually tested yes they were so they were not in good shape but this one is this one is in great shape it was never actually used it was only it was marked to be used but they probably at that point decided that we were no longer going to be doing tests on these we're just gonna because of the situation and it was not used it's 85 so out of 100 it's it's getting an 85 plus which means that's very close to a 90 which means almost perfect in the toy world, which means big bucks. Uh, so price is right. Yes. What do you anticipate that it'll go for? Uh, I think that uh, 500000 is, is is high. I think the last one went for 112000 So this one, they're thinking it'd be two hundred fifty to five hundred. I'm guessing probably closer to 250000 is my guess. So. As of right before we started taping this, uh, the current bid was $126,787. Yes. And that's so. two more weeks left of bidding. Okay, so before we go on with this, I just want to say anybody that's out there is interested in Star Wars, there's a lot of items that are not that terribly expensive. Um, there's signatures and all kinds of toys and all kinds of statues and other prototypes and it's under Hakes Auction, H-A-K-E-S, and it's a auction house and it is really sweet. So if you're interested in Star Wars, this would be the time that you can get that supreme awesome piece uh, that you've always wanted. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right, let's throw things over to Craig now and his review of the Morrissey concert. Thanks, Jody. Craig Silliphant here. You can find me on the social medias at Craig Silliphant. And uh, I want to talk today about the Morrissey show that we saw uh, just the other night on Tuesday there. There was a whole bunch of us went down to TCU Place to see the legendary Smiths frontman Morrissey. Uh, there were a lot of jokes and poor attitudes walking into the lobby of the show that night. Uh, myself, chief among the dour. Uh, obviously, the show had been rescheduled uh, twice, actually, once on very short notice uh, leading up to that Tuesday night show. I heard from venue staff that his name was sort of a swear word around there. They'd obviously been processing ticket refunds all week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it also caused issues for the babysitters of Saskatoon, too. It was a scheduling snafu uh, for more than just Moz. Hilariously, I noticed the they were selling some tour shirts, and on the back, it had the uh, Saskatoon April 20th date, which was the original date. Uh, and I thought even putting tour dates on the backs of shirts was an optimistic move uh, for Morrissey at the best of times, because he's obviously known for a lot of this uh, cancellation stuff. I wrote an article for the Star Phoenix that ran the week of the original show. The show was canceled, uh, but the article ran anyway, just because it was, again, such a, a short-notice cancellation. Add to this, uh, all this nonsense, 
the fact that he's already uh, quite a difficult figure with his controversial comments in the last few years. Uh, he's basically the poster boy for separating the art from the artist. And I got more than one person chastised me online for going to the show when I posted that Star Phoenix article or even just complained about all the cancellations on social media. But we decided to push forth anyway. My wife and Jody and her partner Dave all convinced me we should just go. Uh, entering the auditorium, you could see that a lot of people hadn't decided to do this. Uh, I had been told that it was originally sold out, but TCU Place was easily half full or half empty, depending on your sense of optimism. The show was to start at 8 o'clock p.m., and some curt announcements rushed people into the auditorium on time. You've got two minutes. You've got one minute. But uh, once we sat down, we were sort of perplexed to find ourselves watching video clips for over half an hour. Uh, At first, it was kind of maddening, especially after the events that led us to waiting for the show in the first place. But eventually, it started to become funny to me anyway. I was watching people getting annoyed, checking their tickets to see if they had the time right. And uh, Dave reminded me that uh, being so weird and difficult, even just with the starting time of the show was pretty on brand uh, for Morrissey Uh, and by this time I decided not to be dour anymore to sort of take what he was throwing at us with a a sort of amusement I guess Uh, anyway then uh, Morrissey came out on stage and sort of dryly declared tonight has not been cancelled which brought a chuckle from the crowd Uh, it was an interesting way to see him because it was as Morrissey himself said an intimate candlelit dinner if you're in Europe or South America you're probably seeing him in a huge stadium with tens of thousands of people and I was sort of slouched comfortable in a chair will he put on a show 15 feet away from us with maybe like 800 people in the room. Um, I should also give him props for being classy to those people that rush the stage to grab at him. He would give him a quick embrace and then security would sort of toss him off the stage. But, you know, I think these people could learn a thing or two about consent. But all that other junk aside, most importantly in all of this, I think Morrissey sounded great. Sure, maybe his voice would get a little bit uh, thin at the top end of his range, but I'm willing to bet that most people wouldn't have actually noticed that. I was sort of paying attention for it. Uh, For a 60-year-old, he has more of that old magic in his croon than Sinatra did at 40. He was slowly moving around the stage, almost a sachet really, uh, doing little pantomimes and using the the mic cord like a lasso or a whip. He uh, even ripped his shirt off at the end, which I thought was a bit much, uh, but apparently that's a thing he does, I guess. I might have wanted to hear a few more classic tracks. Uh, Even he pointed out that the audience may not know a lot of the songs, but, you know, I understand that can get tiring for a performer, especially someone with his longevity. Uh, And to be fair, many of the less recognizable songs were actually off his recent cover album, California Sun. Uh, But he did play a few of his solo hits, as well as three Smith songs, uh, including the encore, which was a a rousing rendition of The Queen is Dead. He actually charged through the set with a a hyper-efficiency, so efficient that the band occasionally stopped stepped on his uh, banter. In the end, I was a lot more docile about all the BS leading up to the show. You know, was it a real mind-blower of a gig? Not really, unless you're like a diehard fan. But it wasn't lost on me that this may be one of the last chances to see one of the biggest legends of 80s music. And, you know, around these parts in Saskatchewan, he may not have reached the stratospheric heights of Madonna or Michael Jackson, but he means much more on an international scale. And his influence even today can't be argued. So even a laid-back Morrissey performance on a Tuesday night in Saskatchewan showed enough of the charisma and performance to remind me that I was living in a moment I would have regretted missing, and I know uh, I that everybody that I talked to after the show enjoyed it, said it was good. So, Oh, and I should say he did apologize for all the cancellations, and one has to imagine it's hard to get an apology out of Moz, so uh, you know that's something in and of itself. That's my review of Morrissey from October 22nd. Back to you guys. Thank you, Craig. Um, what I-
would add to that is, yeah, I mean, Morrissey did thank us for coping so well with the show. And I'm really glad that I did get to see it. I will not likely travel to see him play to play again. And yeah. it's unlikely that he will travel here again. So, yeah, check that one off the yeah. list. Great show. Really enjoyed it. Glad we went. Yeah, me too. I'm really glad we made the effort to yep. reschedule and stuff too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, I want to talk a little bit about comics. So there were two um, Spider-Man comics that came out this week. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man Full uh, Circle. This was a, a one-shot. And basically, it's kind of the... It's a big book. Um, it's got seven parts to it. And it is kind of like the telephone tag gimmick of comics. Um, so basically, what it was, it was seven different teams of contributors um, were given a chunk of the story. So no roadmap, no contact, no plan. Um, basically they were given a little chunk of the story um, the order in which the writers were assigned was totally random nobody knew who else was involved until they received their instructions for their chapter and even then they only knew who had gone before them each creative team was required to get Spidey out of whatever fix their predecessors had left him in move the events of the story forward, resolve at least one plot element, and then end their chapter on a cliffhanger that the next guys would then have to cope with. So essentially it kind of starts and they're on this ship and they're, he's there and he's supposedly trying to get some weapon, but he doesn't know what weapon it is from AIM. And then there's a time traveling element and there's a bunch of werewolves and... It, it is a little bit crazy. I think they stretched. Um, I like it when publishers try something different. And I'm glad that they didn't string me along for seven issues to get this. I got it all at once. Um, so the experiment that way, I, I applaud them for not dragging it out. It's an interesting idea, but I don't know if the execution was so great. What's uh, look, It doesn't, I don't really like books like that. It seems kind of like... Um... Does it work? I guess the only question I'd have is, does it work? Um, actually, the the in the end, it does kind of work because it's about cycles, right? And not like, you know, do you go along with it or do you not go along with it? And does your presence change the course of events? Um, and he has to travel through time and stuff. So it's it is an interesting idea, but um, and maybe not as much up to up to snuff. It's an expensive book too, is it not? I, think um, it's, uh, I don't know that it was super pricey. Well, yeah, okay. It's expensive. So. It's like twelve bucks, but I mean, it, there it's seven comics worth. I think like yeah. the content. It's a big book, so practically a graphic novel. What's so. your uh, out of ten? What are you giving it? Six and a half. That's that's, that's probably that's, pretty generous. That's pretty generous, that actually. Okay. okay, the other Spidey book that came out, uh, and he's not even really in it that much, is. The Amazing Mary Jane number one came Ooh. out. Yeah, so this is written by Leah Williams. Uh, the art is done by Carlos Gomez. And the premise of this one is, I'm going to, spoiler alert, it's, it's not that bad though. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so MJ is an actress, right? We know this. And she's been cast in this like action movie that's supposedly telling an empathetic version of the story of Mysterio. Okay, um, and she's kind of like, my, my dialogue's really lame. I want to talk to the director. So she hunts him down and corners him, and eventually he reveals that he is not the director that he, everybody thinks he is. It's Mysterio in disguise, and he sent the um, director off to some, like, 
I don't know, obscure island to basically make the uh, Jaws version of like penguins. So <laughs> he'll be busy for a year or longer. And so he wants to tell his true story with an empathetic voice towards, you know, being a villain and what that is all like. And so she's like, mm, okay, yeah, I'll still do it as long as we can rewrite my part so that it's like actually good. And he agrees to this. So you think, okay, this is all right. So she, you know, she calls up Peter and kind of says like, hey, are you still cool with me doing this movie? She does not tell him that she knows that it is actually Mysterio who is directing. She leaves that little piece of the puzzle out. And it ends on a cliffhanger of a bunch of the rogues gallery from uh, Spider Pantheon um, coming to Earth. And maybe joining the party on set, or maybe not. I don't know. Okay, let's let's talk about this. So that's kind of dumb, <laughs> in the sense that I I looked through the book and it looked really pretty. I was like, oh, this is a pretty looking book, you know, as far as like the the art was nice, and and I can see that there was like an actor and or like there was acting going on and stuff like that. It's obviously about movies, and she's in a movie. But why would she not um, tell Peter that it's uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. Isn't he a bad guy? Is he wanted by the police? Like, it's just going like, to. It's just. Yeah. It's just forcing the drama. So yeah. it is a bit forced, but I'll, I'm going to give this at least another issue to see where it goes because I do like Mysterio, um, and the cover was really good. Uh, that's what I was thinking as you were talking about this. Is that would be a comic that would lend itself to a lot of good covers. Did it have a bunch? Yeah. Or no. Lots. Yeah. Always. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Marvel yeah, that's number Marvel, one. Yeah. All right, that wraps up another week for Punch Radio. 